Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. I've preached a lot of different messages about what the Lord does to call people into ministry. If you, if you notice the Gospels, that's what Jesus did from the beginning of it. We have Jesus being born in a manger and Jesus growing up and Herod and the wise men and all that other stuff. But quickly, man, we roll right into either some of the books like John from the very beginning or some of the books from Luke chapter 3. Man, we're straight into ministry with Jesus. We have the entire rest of the book of Jesus laying out an example of what he wants us to do. In the middle of that example, this is what Jesus does. Jesus taps people on the shoulder and says, come here and follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. He gathers this group of, together, this team of people, and they go and do the work. Along the way of doing the work, do they fellowship? Yes. Do they care for one another? Yes. Do, do they pray and rest and read and love and grow all of the above? But that group, as they were doing that, was following Jesus and doing the work of the ministry. We are not being Christ-like when we sit down, get comfortable in a spot, and say, you guys go do the work. It's never been. You'll never find it in the Gospels. So I'm going to show you guys a passage, to my knowledge, I've never preached. And it's in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, and it is the calling of Peter. Now you say, I've read the calling of Peter. Luke pulls out an aspect of the story that gives Peter's story in more detail. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So you can imagine, these guys are worn out. In a minute, we're going to read how these guys were sitting on the shoreline, they were cleaning up their nets and everything. They toiled all night. That word toiled means intense labor. They were exhausted. Now, this is funny because not too long ago, I preached a passage that's going to sound like this. It is at the end of Jesus' ministry when Peter said, I'm going fishing, and he gets in the boat and goes out and caught nothing. You guys know that story. Well, Peter was one of these guys. So here's Jesus standing on the shoreline preaching the gospel and while he's preaching, the crowd was getting so intense, and he looks over, and there's Peter, and he says, hey guys, can you help me out with this? And the Bible says, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. You can imagine, this is cool, because he didn't fully know Jesus at this time, and he said, Peter, come here for a minute. He said, is this, just, this your boat? And he said, yes, sir, we just got back from fishing, how'd it go? Oh, we caught nothing. He's okay. Jesus, you know, knows all this already. So Jesus gets out of the boat. He says, push me out a little bit. Jesus comes out. And, he, and he, you can imagine as the crowd pressed him, it'd be like me up here speaking with me being more out in the water. He could talk to the audience on a bigger scale. So there, here we go. And, and you see this simple thing that Peter was called to do that had such an impact. Now you've got to understand, Peter was nothing more than a fisherman. Now some of you are saying, well, that's great for all you preacher people to do and disciples and the deacons of the church and all this. I want you guys to get, there is nobody that God has ever overlooked to use for his glory. Do you, do you guys know who, the story of Balaam? Do you remember what God used to talk in that story? He used a what? A donkey. All right, here's the thing. I don't know all of your IQs, okay? I don't know all of your backgrounds or anything like that. But I'd be willing to say, if our God can use a donkey... There's a good chance that God could use even your husband. I'm pretty, I'm guess, guessing, guessing at that. 
So Peter responds to this, and he said, yes, Lord. He said, push me on a little. Verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, when God was done preaching, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. The word drought means a collection of fish. And he said, Peter, I want to bless you. He said, I I want you to do something. He said, I want you to get your stuff. Now, remember, they toiled all night. They're cleaning their stuff. They're getting ready to go home. God calls, or Jesus calls them over to do this. And and Peter's like, man, I do not want to do that. I am tired. I've toiled all night. So he gives this excuse to Jesus. Simon answered and said, Master, uh, we have toiled all night. And uh, by saying that, it's like, we're pretty tired. And we have taken nothing. It's not a good day for fishing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Lord, I'm exhausted. And roll into verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. How many fish do you have to have pulled out of the the ocean in these nets to to almost sink a ship where you have to get another ship and fill two ships full of fish? And and I've heard different studies that these boats, for some of them, are like five by like 14 or five by like 20 some. And I mean, the different... These, these weren't little rowboats. I mean, they were pretty significant. In the middle of this, God calls them and says, guys, I've got a, I got a higher calling for your life. And if you read ahead, God later on this says, set aside, I'm going to use you to fish for men. I'm, I'm going to use you to do something. And these guys were like, man, dude, we don't have a lot to offer. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even a good fisherman at this point, Lord. And we've already gone out. And we didn't catch anything. And when they got out to the place that God called them to, God overflowed the boat with blessings of what they were after. He said, well, that's a good story about fish. Guys, it's not a story about fish. You see, the Lord, after this passage, it says, and Simon and Peter saw and fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, he's saying, Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, there is nothing about me if you even had an idea of my sin. And God says, I do. For he was astonished at all that were with him and at the drought of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. The Lord was drawing this comparison of calling him to do greater things. His Here's the thing that I I pulled from this passage that I want you guys to get. You realize that some of us, we just get happy in the world that we're in that we don't see a great harvest of whatever it is. And I know that in, in your life, it might be money or success or fame or properties or whatever it is. But God said, hey guys, I want you to set that aside. I've got a job for you. And it's not going out and getting fish. It's going out and get people. And he said, I'm going to use the example of the tools that you have in your hands right now. He said, well, this isn't much, and, and Lord, this failed on us already. But God says, watch and see the difference when you launch out into the deep and Jesus goes with you. I can tell you guys right now, none of this is going to work if we do it by ourselves. It's a great idea. We can have a great plan. We can be zealous and excited, but none of it will work if we do it by ourselves. 
If you notice what God was doing, God was drawing this comparison and he used the method there. He said, grab your nets, get on the boat, cast them out. You know what he was saying? I'm going to use the talent, the ability that you have in your hands. It was never the focus of the net, but the focus was on the fish. Guys, remember that what we do on this stage, whether it be a costume or a cross or a stage or a sheep or whatever we've got, it's not about what we do, but who we do it for. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on how elaborate this is or how big this is, rather than saying, hey, the Bible says that God is able to save the lost by the foolishness of preaching. It's not about us. And we put so much emphasis on my talent and my ability, and God says, it's all about me, it's not about you. We make up these excuses. And Jesus told them that I'm going to do greater things. In Acts chapter 1, you guys know the passage, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. God promised them the power to preach and the power to break the darkness and the power to reach, the power to reach into people's lives and do what no man could do. That power was an explosive power. It was the power that God says in that passage that when they cast the nets that they had so many fish that they were not able to hold them anymore. It's the power of what God does. God was saying, I'm going to give you the power to reach the family that you could never reach. I'm going to give the church the power to step into a generation that now has Buddhist temples down the road and Muslims on every corner and false doctrines and false gods and people bowing down and worshiping things that will never save them. Our generation has more bondage than I've ever seen in a nation and inside a world. We are dealing with more conflict than I could ever imagine. There is more addictions at younger ages and across the spectrum than we've ever seen before. Guys, our nation is in a mess, but it's not so bad that the power of gospel cannot break through it. It is not. But in our minds, if we're not careful, we almost back off and we get complacent because of the idea of what can I do or what can the church do? It's too far gone. When, when God went up to him or Jesus went up to him and said, cast out there, go in the middle. God, we caught no fish. Lord, we went all night, caught nothing. Lord, we used this already and it did nothing. And God says, here's the thing. I want you to launch out in the deep and I want you to go with me and I want you to see what I can do when you obey me. Launching out in the deep was far beyond what they normally did, especially in the heat of the day. But it's amazing what God does when people are willing to go out to the deep and go beyond your comfort zones to do things for the glory of God. I'll show you this and we'll be closed. I want you to see the unity of their method. Not, not only the, the purpose of their method, but the unity of their method. Uh, look at verse 5. And Simon answering and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now we know in that passage that in the middle of that, that he said he was doing this. And I know that it probably wasn't just him because the Bible says that he had these others partners with him. And he lets down this net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. You guys know where I'm going with this. See, when God gets involved, he's able to exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. God is able to overflow your cup. God, the Bible says, if you give, and we all know that passage, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
It is the theme of everything that God does. God says, when you do it with me and you step out in faith and you trust me for it, I will do far beyond what you ever could imagine. But we have to be prepared that none of us are to do this by ourselves. None of us are to be doing this by ourselves. Because the Bible says they beckoned partners, which were in the other ships, that they would come and join them. Either we do this together or we will fail. Do you guys realize before the other ship arrived, do you know what the Bible says that was happening in that boat? The Bible says that boat was going under. And it's amazing. It was like, man, God is so good. But the thing is, sometimes we can be overwhelmed with even the good things that God has. We're never meant to do the work alone that God has given us. In verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. There's no greater calling. There's no greater fulfillment. There's no greater joy than for us as a church and God's people to serve together to point the lost to Jesus Christ. God is not interested in our programs, but he's passionate about people. Heads bowed and eyes closed, and we're not done. We're going to roll into another segment of this. But God called these men to be fishers of men, to use the talents, the abilities, to do greater things, exceedingly abundantly above what the, all that they asked or think. But you know, it's got to be when God says, will you jump into the boat and go with me? We've got to be willing to get in the boat and go with him. It's not a matter of just believing that God can. It's a matter of will you launch out to the deep? And I've got this feeling. Seeing the, the signs of the times and the change of society and the things that are going on that we must get busy Every year when I see the changes in our government and I see the changes in the laws and I th- this, it, it breaks me, it burdens me, it stirs me up. It's almost like God's saying, how much time do you have left? And I said, Lord, I don't know, but God does. There's got to be an urgency with what we do. But yeah, I, pr- I can promise you this, there will never be an urgency if we don't start with a burden. And I asked you, who are you burdened for? Burdened for? 